And we're back July 25th, 2019, the 16th anniversary of Spy Kids 3D Game Over, debuting in theaters. Uh, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and this is part three of our mid-year Oscars report, where we are breaking up each of the Academy Awards, well, I guess... Uh, just the Academy Awards show. We're breaking it up into three different segments, seven categories each show. This is part three. Part two was released last week, part one the week prior. So this is us wrapping up the Academy Awards, looking forward to this year, what's going to happen in the 2019-2020 show. And for this episode alone, we got some big categories left over. I'm Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. I think you're picking movies that you know that I don't like, <laughs> that I wince at and cringe at. That, that I've had bad experiences with somehow. You didn't like Spy Kids 3D? No. It was awful. And Sylvester's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. And I never liked any of the Spy Kids, to be honest. I'm not a huge Robert Rodriguez fan, to be honest. I'm, I'm not crazy about it myself. So but, yeah. every one of these times, it just makes me wince. I'm waiting to the point where you actually mention a movie I like and we go off on it for like five Well, minutes. it was either that or Seabiscuit, so... Those were our choices for this one. Seabiscuit was okay. That's why I went with Spy Kids. You know, you knew what I thought about Seabiscuit. Big episode today, Mike, covering our last seven categories that we've yet to touch on. Production design, visual effects, original song, editing, international feature, and of course the two biggies to wrap up with in Best Director and Best Picture. Those are what we'll be talking about today. For each category, if you've not joined us yet, what we do is we talk about what we think is the front runner right now, this point in July, and then we also talk about and pick what our likely nominees will be at the end of the day, as well as a wild card for every category, something that maybe we think will get nominated, we hope will get nominated, we want you to keep an eye on with Pitcher's Theory or a Narrative 4, etc. So that's how we're going to handle each of these. To start, we're going to talk about production design. So Mike's going to run down some honorable mentions, some movies that may be contenders that you can keep an eye on here. Yeah, we have true stories like Harriet, Ford versus Ferrari. We have A Beautiful Day in a Neighborhood about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood mm-hmm. there. We have a, a war movie, 1917, from Sam Mendes. We have Rocket Man, the Elton John pick that we reviewed. And Dolomite is my name, I think, is a true story. You thought it was a true story. I think it is. I'm not positive on that. I'm not that. positive. We know these are not true stories. We know Aladdin is not a true story. Not debatable. Xena, the warrior princess, uh, production design <laughs> sets there. Somehow being mentioned in this category. I still don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I'm trying not to yell too loudly. Gemini Man. The Will Smith versus Will Smith movie. I think a lot of people are going to be upset about that. Good sets, yeah. apparently. The, right. the Rise of Skywalker, Avengers Endgame. Dumb, don't say Dumbo. Don't say, <laughs> don't say Dumbo. It's a D movie for me. But it looks like a circus. No, it looks like a green screen is what it looks like. It looked terrible. But a green so screen circus. <laughs> Little Women, The King, The Pope, The Goldfinch. These are fictional period pieces. A lot of prepositions to lead off some titles this year in film. Okay, my front runner is Once Upon a Time Hollywood. <laughs> All that to get to the most obvious answer. <laughs> we say that a lot, yeah. but the sets within the sets look fun. You got Leo on set for his gun movies, for his westerns. That looks fun. And then you have this romp around Hollywood also including the Manson family. It looks great in the trailers. So production design is usually a category which goes to a transporting film. It's either a film that takes you away to some fantasy land, think Avatar or Alice in Wonderland, or some different period this earth has passed by, think Shape of Water or Lincoln. The 60s Hollywood suffice as a far enough fantasy land to meet this qualification. I wonder if we're giving Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too much credit going into this. Like, I, should it be a front runner for best sets here? I just don't know what else to pick. I I, uh, that's the problem I had too. And also modern day jazz saving centric Hollywood was enough of a, a romp in history for this production design to go to La La Land two years ago. That, the sets on that movie, though. My God. I get Like, one was oh. a pool party, one was a restaurant. It's not like... No. The, 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 <laughs> give me a break. They're floating in the sky, Mike. Yeah, but... At yeah. the observatory. And then the and then the sets, like, the whole... Th- oh, my goodness. I was not... I can't even have words. Bewildered and enamored with that I movie. I was both of those as things. As many people were. I was all of those things many times. <laughs> but that said... There's no Disney Marvel property that seems steeped in another country's culture. Like if Mulan, based on what we saw from that one trailer of Mulan, if that was up for for production design, if that was up for Academy consideration this year, I think that would be my front runner. But 
we don't have one of those right now, so I, I, I co-sign. I'll pick Once Upon a Time. I think I picked Once Upon a Time for every category as the front runner. So it should go a clean 24 of 24 we've in my book. picked a bunch. We're, we're going to see it today. We're going to review it <laughs> next Tuesday, yes. so be ready. Likely nominee here for me is Cats. Again, I think I'm overestimating Cats. I, like, all my picks today, I'm worried about <laughs> Full disclosure, but let's set somebody up so we can knock them down. Cats, Tom Hooper's production values from the King's Speech, from Les Mis, mm-hmm. he can do this. Yes, he he can. does this well. But I have a major question, and I'm going to showcase my ignorance here for musicals on Broadway and of any kind. I know absolutely nothing about this. Do the cats live in alleys? Is this a real human world? Or do humans exist in this world? Or is this planet of the cats? And they have their suits and it's like cat houses. And I got a more relevant question, too. It's also listed as an animation. If it's, if it's animated, like... So, Isle of Dogs was animated, but still qualified for production design. Is cats going to be pseudo-half animation? Is it going to be... Re- I'm tired of questioning what real and animation is in terms of Cats and The Lion King. If you're going to allow CGI backdrops and green screen sets and stop motion sets, then Toy Story 4 should win this category. (laughs) Because Toy Story 4 has the most luscious depth and frame. I mean, everything we were just, it was eye-poppingly gorgeous and dense. We loved those productions. So I don't know what what the line is i I have no idea that said this matters though is it a planet of the cats (laughs) and does everybody sing talk on this planet of the cats i tried to talk around it because i don't have answers or input for this (laughs) i don't know i've never seen cats i have no interest in cats i look as a general rule i don't like felines (laughs) i looked at the photos (laughs) of all the cat musicals i still can't tell they're not wearing clothes that's all i could tell some of them are not wearing clothes but their fur is kind of shaped to look like clothing in many cases. So it could be a planet of the cats. Somebody just tell us we don't or know. Don't make that movie. But yeah, I picked Cats as a likely nominee too. <laughs> I think if Cats were being released in like 2004, it'd yeah. be my front runner. Uh, the three years between the 2001 and 2007 show, a music-based production, one production design, Moulin sure. Rouge, Chicago, Sweeney Todd. As it is, I still think it should be up there, but I, I just... Uh, musics haven't done well lately. It might be an animated picture. I have no idea and less interest in seeing this movie, but I will, for the good right. of you people. So, boringly, we picked the same things here, so I have yeah. a follow-up question. Oh, of the likely nominees in many categories, kind of the, the group of potential frontrunners, potential contenders, yeah. I'm including in this group 1917, Ford versus Ferrari, Harriet, Little Women, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. As of now, yeah, we already mentioned once upon a time in Hollywood, who do you think is the likely nominee out of those that you can tell? I think Ford versus Ferrari could be. If they do a lot of time at the plant and the, and the machines and making the actual cars and being in Lamaze for the race, I think that could be and have the most juiciest uh, appeal to Academy voters. That's where I would stake my flag. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would pick... You're going to pick Harriet, aren't you? I don't think... That's no? going to be very sparing. All the sets are going to be kind of rough, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's underground. It's going to be dirt. <laughs> it's going to suck. <laughs> Maybe. Isn't it going to suck? I don't know. I don't know. How, the, how are you going to get production design? This still, sets? she's been out in the field and looks like she's been. It looks like yeah. it fucking sucks <laughs> okay, in, to wow. live in Harriet. <laughs> no, it did. It was it's slavery. It was the freaking 1800s. It looked like it really sucked. It was a nightmare. Well, do you have a pick? I have a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's my like default pick. If it, could, if it could match what we all grew up on with PBS and those sets. You got the production within the production. Yeah. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe Fred Rogers had a really cool pad. All right, I hesitate to even ask this, but what's your wild card pick for production design? It's Downton Abbey. Now, how much credit goes to the locations just being beautiful? I don't know. They nominated the favorite last year because they went and shot this at a real-life castle, and they gave credit to the real-life castle just being a gorgeous setting. Mm -hmm. Because what is more gorgeous than this setting? What is more beautiful, stunning in those trailers and that TV show every time? I looked up during the credits. Even if I was on my laptop, I looked up during those gosh darn credits and that that weirdly mesmerizing music because Downton Abbey is 
ridiculously awesome looking. I'm genuinely concerned for your health and mental well-being if that doesn't get nominated. Look, I've only made this a front runner for one category. That was costumes. And that Uh was for good reason. Uh, Even if it's a bad movie, it's going to get nominated for costumes. Or it could. It could. Uh, I've made it a wild card in other categories, but just don't worry for me. You worry about your own problems. I'm not, it's not like I'm obsessed for this or rooting for this or anything. It was a hate watch for me, I swear. Don't retire, Carson! <laughs> Mary needs you! She still needs you! You can't retire! What happened? I blacked out. I assume you were talking to Carson Daly there? <laughs> Big nose, humongous face Carson from the fucking show. Uh, I'm, I'm equally as grasping at straws with this category in terms of wild card. Uh, the Lion King, does that count? Does it not? What is that movie? What is Cats? Why is every movie featuring a large feline so goddamn questionable this year? They're questionable right now. I agree. <laughs> the meta score on Lion King is down. It's it's not good. It's it's in the fifties right now, which is very uh, middling to say the least, and certainly not what you would expect. I'll say, speaking of middling scores and surprising stuff, I'll say Ad Astra for production design because. Haven't we gotten to the point with this movie where even if it's like a C, C-plus experience, that is above what our expectations are right now? So with that backwards-like thinking, production design usually do favor movies out in space. Well, I, I, that's your best point out of this argument, because the, the exceeding your expectations shouldn't be an Oscar movie. For something like production, I, I think C+. in tandem. All right, but this, I think in tandem This is a great together. point, though. I mean, you you have this yeah, list yeah. Of so Arri- Arrival, First Man won it last year. Arrival and Passengers, which itself was a box office flop, Passengers sure. was nominated two years before. The Martian was there the year before. Interstellar was in 2014. Gravity back in 2013. None of those won, but they all made the cut. I don't see another big space movie coming out this year, and this was supposed to be a a big deal before. God knows what happened to the production of it. I am holding an irrational grudge against Ad Astra for reasons I've discussed on MMOW. And I shouldn't. I really shouldn't be. (laughs) But I am already saying that High Life and I Am Mother and most definitely The Rise of Skywalker, they're going to have better sets than this movie. Because this movie has a CGI set where apparently gravity doesn't work. They like humans in space, production design people. But you gotta make gravity work or not work when it's supposed to work or not work. And then the whole thing, it's, it's movie is just like a, making me angry already in the marketing of it. That's how I feel about every movie with a large cat-like creature. It was called Dogs. There was a I'm in. The dogs. Sign me up. I love dogs. Loved it. Wanted it to win production design. <laughs> Visual effects, Mike. What are some contenders? <laughs> You did. Uh, I remember this. It's funny because it's freaking true. It's exactly true. I was making a joke, but you do have a f- clear Mason-Dixon line. I'm allergic to cat hair. It makes my eyes water. I don't like it. The Oscar podcast that takes a firm stand on dogs and cats. I shouldn't have to worry about if I have Zyrtec at my disposal every time I walk into a house. You know this is a movie on the screen. I don't care. That's what they stand for. <laughs> we need to get into visual effects. Mike, that uh, and Taylor Swift has pissed me off over the years. Taylor Swift <laughs> and felines, yes. apparently. Ad Astra for visual effects. That is an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. We'll, we'll find I'd be out. surprised if Ad Astra is uh, anywhere in the Academy. Aladdin is an honorable mention. Here. Yeah. I don't see it again. Now, Gemini Man, it does look like a young Will Smith. The action looks good in the trailers. I could see it. Spider-Man Far From Home, we loved yep. all the CGI in that. We loved the VFX. Dumbo, just just think about me farting for 20 minutes. <laughs> and think about a 20-minute long fart. You know, it doesn't have to be me. But that's what I would say about Dumbo. Not a fan of Dumbo. No, the it looked, it looked fake. Well, let me tell just you about it. my front runner involving a flying elephant. No, go ahead. What's your front runner? <laughs> <laughs> my front runner... Is a recency bias. It's the Lion King, because if it's eligible, we're recording this a week before it's released. Yes, we're recording this early. So if, if we, if you all see the Lion King, and it looks bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it looked bad. It looks great in the trailers. It's going to be up for this category by all accounts. If it looks like real life and it's really animated, and they're calling that VFX, probably awards worthy here. You're not wrong. 
I think there's something that they'd have to actually classify as animated and not at some point. Disney's going to have to reveal their secrets. I'm not wrong, but these are feline creatures. Is right. that what you're so going to say? Them, I hold that against you. <laughs> but to me, for visual effects, for multiple reasons, one movie was made for $400 million this year, yeah. and it still exceeded our expectations as to what it could possibly look it like. It looks so gosh darn good. It should be a It should runner. be Shouldn't Endgame. It? That ha- that should be the front runner. That should be the floor for Avengers Endgame. I agree, and and you know you can t- make the case about how it's not fair that Marvel has all this access to all these funds to put into FX. The fact is, they do though. They they make FX that blow us away, and they exceed our expectations every time. So I, my front runner for visual effects is Endgame, uh, and that's my likely nominee. Is it going to break through and win that category in a year where some wild cards exist? I almost think like. The Lion King is a wild card. If they make it so lifelike that you're dazzled by that, then yeah. everybody could say, all right, that's so lifelike. Or if my wild card comes true, well, we'll talk about that in a second. What's your likely on, though, first? I'm just I'm tired of this category, avoiding Marvel. I mean, the fact that an MCU movie hasn't won visual effects yet. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Spider-Man 2. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, you just said one. Not the Amazing Spider-Man. The Spider-Man oh, just Spider-Man 2 back yeah. in 2003. But you're right. You know, Avengers: Infinity War, Guardians of Galaxy Volume Two. They they've been getting nominations lately. Yeah. Jungle Book won, and if The Lion King is a better version of the Jungle Book, that's why I was saying Lion King, based on the Academy precedent. But it should be for likely noms, and this is why no Marvel movie has has won yet this category. And this is where I take the wind out of everyone's sails: is that the history of this category favors the practical effects more so than the computer-generated animated effects. So that's the main reason Marvel hasn't yet broken through. And yet if they made a best stunts category, then we could just have that category award the best practical effects properly. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, First Man beat out Infinity War last year, Inception, Hugo, Ex Machina. Those are the types of films that win this category. We can understand why, because we need to prove that man has enough talent that can outlast machines once the machines finally have their come up and take over the world. I mean, uh, they can have the best practical effects. Yeah. But visual incorporates both. I guess right. stunts don't really incorporate always sometimes practical effects. Right. Sometimes, yeah, they sometimes, sometimes they do, sometimes they do. But I'm I could see... I don't have one pick for a likely nominee because I could see this, the Academy going anyway for... I could see Alita Battle Angel making the cut. You know, something like that. John Wick 3, High Life, Ad Astra again. I can see any one of those that rely mainly on practical effects and real-life human interaction more so than computer graphics. Now, another likely nom is The Rise of Skywalker. You know, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi were both nominated. So that's a likely nomination, I would say. But you're right, you know, Alita Battle Angel could take this category. In First Man, when you think First Man, the first thing you think of is not... The effects of First Man, at least not to me. No. I would think cinematography first about yeah. First Man. So, who knows? That's the one that won last year and beat out Infinity War, like I said. So, what's your wild card for effects, Michael? It's Captain Marvel because some of those sequences were incredible. And you yeah. had it in the middle of the desert. I-, I thought Captain Marvel was one of the best-looking movies of the year. You had it in the middle of the, the train thing. I mean, and of course you had the crazy stuff in space. Now, did Avengers Endgame outshine the stuff you had in space with Captain Marvel? I don't necessarily think it did. You had land battles in Avengers Endgame. You didn't have the space battles. It's a good argument. I mean, it's a good. It's a. It's be a fun argument to parse through. It's some of the similar stuff. I Captain can't Marvel get my head out of the end of Endgame. So that's where I lay everything. They on. both look great to yeah, me. It's like the, that's one and two right now. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm ranking the category, I don't know. But but my second wild card is the Irishman. I was looking at this. I don't remember how far I got into it, but I don't think Scorsese gets very far with effects. So that would be interesting. Well, Hugo was nominated. Yeah, Hugo won it. Hugo Hugo won it. it. But historically, unless I'm misremembering, Mm -hmm. as I'm having a tendency to do because we're recording 18 episodes at once, I don't (laughs) think Scorsese has a big history with VFX in the category. No, but it's the last time he tried, he nailed it. Right. And he's very ambitious with all this de-aging stuff with Netflix. Now, wouldn't that be something? If you have Netflix beating Captain Marvel, Lion King, Avengers sure. Endgame, Rise of Skywalker, probably at least three of those get nominated? Two? Three? I have no idea. This, I don't know either. This category is such a crapshoot most years. Uh, but I think those effects are on par. I agree. With recent nominees, I, I would argue for them. So what's your wild card here, Mike? If we're going to do practical effects and lean that way, and we're in this new renaissance of horror, 
I would love to see it chapter two breakthrough. Dreaming. <laughs> oh, no, why not, man? I mean, I hope so. All, yeah. all, if we're gonna rely on practical effects and human interaction, and that's where we're gonna plant our flag, yeah. it doesn't have to win. But I would love to see it get nominated and get some love for the highest grossing horror movie of all time, or at least the second part of the highest grossing horror movie of all time. And it'd be a nice homage to the horror movies of the 80s that were so reliant on practical effects because they had to be. You know, I don't think it'll win. I, I, I'd love for it to see it make its three into nominations, though. I would love to see a beautiful It Chapter 2. Yeah, I would too. The last one was great on horror spectacle. How much naked old people VFX is going to play on the Academy, though? Hopefully That's what lot. we're going to find out. <laughs> That's the major question facing this category. You should just have a naked old person present this award if it's going to be it. <laughs> oh, my God. Original song, Michael. What do we have for honorable, honorable mentions? mentions. I, can, I couldn't think of that phrase to save my life in that moment. So apparently there's a best original song in The Last Thing He Wanted. And in D. Ree's last movie, we had Mudbound Mary get, J. Blige. get a yep. nomination for Mary J. Blige. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is going to have an original song involved in it. Harriet's going to have an original song. Waves. Doran, The Lost City of Gold. I hope that wins. The Adams Family, The Kitchen, and I am mentioning I've Got Five <laughs> on It from Us, the remix. I like your determination to keep pushing that narrative. Okay, now, I wrote this down before I listened to a new song mm -hmm. that I really liked, but I'm going to stick with my original pick. My front runner here is something from Frozen 2. Yeah. Because I know I haven't heard anything from it yet, but Frozen 1 had great music throughout that. Sure. Any one of those songs could have won. Of course, Adina Menzel's Let It Go. Yes. Yeah, you know, Hold On Tight could be a title of a song in the sequel because you're the opposite <laughs> of the original. I've made that joke before. I'll make it again. I've sung it before. Yeah. I've already sung the song. Right. It could be great. Just you're the way just, I sing it. Giving just them free content. Follow me. Right. And follow my lead. You could pay your check out to Mike, Mike, and Oscar. <laughs> no. Uh, this is me doing the Frank Lang show. Richard M. Nick, Michael J. Also. Um, I, I think I have Frozen 2, song from Frozen 2 is my likely nom, because the winner of this category is Beyonce. So congratulations to her. Um, is the song good enough? You don't. I, mean, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I think the Academy loves... Hobnobbing and rubbing shoulders with the elite. You don't get more elite than the Queen Bee. And middling scores from the Lion King aside, I think if she puts something out there, she's going to be recognized for it. Possible. We'll see. What's your likely nom again, Mike? Well, I, I, I lied. I said it was Frozen 2, but I, I lied. <laughs> I realized I wrote this. Uh, so, likely is the name of the game here, right? And there's no more likely a nominee you can than Randy Newman for his you work in Toy Story 4. <laughs> it's probably the score and songs I'm least interested in hearing again amongst the films I've even yet to see, but the track record of success with Newman and Pixar, especially Newman and Toy Story, speaks for itself. He's won the category twice, including for We Belong Together from Toy Story 3, right. and every time Toy Story makes a movie, Randy Newman gets a Best Original Song nomination. He wrote this song. As he was throwing the songs that he just wrote in the track. I couldn't even tell you what he this song is. He wrote ten songs in a row. I do not remember it. And basically he said, <laughs> I'm going to take... I won't let you throw yourself away, last <laughs> song I just wrote. <laughs> I'm pulling you back out of the trash. <laughs> there it is. I mean, here, here's your nominee. We'll pay for your limo. Randy, hope you can join us on Oscar Sunday. That song was funny. Was it a great song? There's no... Has he had one? <laughs> we did the whole Pixar rewatch. We love those songs. We he's a great them. score. I, I yeah. think he's an underrated film he scorist. Yes. I don't know that I would ever choose to listen to a Randy Newman song. I thought this was a versatile score for Toy Story 4 as well. Yeah. You had the horror stuff. You had the, the action I was surprised stuff. to see the lack of him being nominated for Toy Story scores. Right. But they give it to him for original songs, so... I don't think they know what they're giving stuff to sometimes. <laughs> this Academy, man. Sometimes this Academy. Yeah. All right. I listened to Naomi Scott's Speechless from Aladdin, and it is phenomenal. It gave me goosebumps. What a great song. I, we both might be idiots for throwing shade at this movie. I keep doing it, despite my better imp impulses. Without having seen it, I'm going to see it while you're away on vacation. That makes sort. one of us. I think I'm going to do. <laughs> but no, this your point is well received. This is a great song. Look, I mean, Jasmine needs glasses. She needs a, an eye doctor. She's far from 2020 vision. Her and Lois Lane are the 
the two characters throughout cinematic history that can't see for shit. I didn't think this they explanation can't see was going all. down Clark this road. Clark Kent is obviously <laughs> Superman, and Aladdin is obviously the thief she met like a day ago. Right. <laughs> Prince Ali got... and Aladdin are the same person, then they Maybe can't see. facial blindness. People have that. Nobody has that if they get 2020. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still gloriously have 2020. I'm thankful for We're it. talking about a song here, right? <laughs> I was going to pick the ballad of the Lonesome Cowboy from Toy Story 4 because I think Randy Newman wrote it, and I know Chris Stapleton sung it. Uh, I figured that was going to be more Oscar speed. It would be an olive branch towards the other half of the country that really enjoys country music more than we do. Yeah. They've been doing this in recent years, like they did with the Ballad of Buster Scruggs mm-hmm. getting a nomination last year, which mm-hmm. is a good song. We liked. Love that song. The Ballad of a Lonesome Cowboy seems to be the more likely nominee than the comedy song. Fair enough. It'll still be Randy Newman, though, getting it at the end of the day. What's your wild card for the rest of the All right. song? Queen and Slim is going to have an original song in it. Craig Brewer got Three Six Mafia an Oscar. How Never mind a you. nomination. How dare you? Three Six Mafia got Three Six Mafia an Oscar. All right? <laughs> he chose Three Six Mafia to be in his movie. It is hard out here for a pimp. A, he built a movie around that song. <laughs> that was the showcase song of the movie. I would. Lo- I don't know anything about the songs from Queen and Slim. Queen yeah, and Slim yeah, is one of my most anticipated of the second half of 2019. I can't wait. I but think this is a previous Oscar winning, sure. di- you know, director for the original song category. Yeah. He typically features his songs. We just did a best original song half episode about Coco building the the story around that original song and that beating a worldwide number one on every box on every uh, yeah. pop chart hit. And this is me. We just saw Coco do this, so why couldn't, you know, Craig Brewer do it again? Again, you're making a lot of sense. You're talking a lot of sense. I think regardless of what is likely or isn't likely or whatever, I think we've hit on the five. Now, I don't really have a wild card because I think you're going to get the Beyonce song. You're probably going to get the Aladdin song. You're probably going to get a Randy Newman song. Cats has Taylor Swift and Jennifer Hudson. I will be shocked if the two of them don't do some sort of duet on something. That's original. Yeah, right. t- They typically do that for these remakes. Right, so. and... Adaptations, they do it. And if Adina Menzel is doing Frozen 2, that's going to be nominated. So I think that's your category right here. Right I think there. we've named it. It's I would done. be very, I mean, who are you going to n- elbow out? Beyonce? Beyonce's going to be there. You're not going to elbow out Taylor Swift. I don't know if the Beyonce song is good enough. I really don't. It's good. It's fine. I will not lose any sleep over it. <laughs> but I just would be very surprised if Beyonce makes an original song as Nala from one of the most beloved cinematic properties for one of the industry titans in Disney and doesn't find herself nominated for an Oscar. I'm cringing as you as you yeah. talk because I'm worried that you're right, uh, but I don't know if the song's good enough. That's fair. Right, again, I am not, not the, my battle. That's I am fine. not the judge for this. <laughs> I am the worst judge for this. I like bands that I'm embarrassed to say I like. I'm still waiting for that Blink-182 original song myself. (laughs) I agree. Film editing, Mike, is where we'll go next. Let's have some honorable mentions. All right, honorable mentions. The Irishman, Harriet, The Report, The Goldfinch, Last Thing He Wanted, The Laundromat, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Rhythm Section, Little Women, Uncut Gems, Gemini Man, The Pope, Ad Astra, Dolomite is my name, Untitled, No Bomb Back Project. If I have to list stuff, I have to do it fast. The gall of you to put Uncut Gems in this list. What is Uncut It's an Adam Sandler movie. Well, that's in Clayton Davis' top 20. <laughs> the gall of Clayton Davis <laughs> to fool you by putting uncut gems. Totally fooled. I didn't even Watch uncut up. gems win now, this category. What? Uh, well, Good. This is your category, though, in film editing that's going to give you, most likely, your winner for best picture. Because in 1980, 1981, that show, the 81 Oscars, ordinary people won best picture despite not landing a best editing nomination. Every year since, the eventual Best Picture winner has had a Best Editing, Best Film Editing nomination. Wow. Save for the 2014-15 show, Birdman won Best Picture, didn't get an editing nom. That's the only time since 1981. Twice, that's it? That's it, since 1981. So every other year in between, the eventual winner of Best Picture gets a nomination for editing. So that's why you've heard us over the last couple of years say that there's a correlation between Best Picture and Best Film Editing because the eventual Best Picture winner... Literally 30, whatever, five times out of 36 gets a nomination here. So keep an eye out for that. I wonder how many Best Editing winners have been nominated for Best Picture, though. I don't have those numbers. You should. Completely undercut all the research I did, so thank you. (laughs) What's your front runner for film editing? That's great research. I had no idea. I knew it was a big correlation, but you actually did the research finally. Uh, One of us did something. (laughs) 
smart. So good job. Uh, my front runner is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's safe right now yeah. because the editing by Sally Menke and all of Tarantino's films has been great. The editing in the last two films uh, after her passing have been, has been great as well. I I was thinking this was going to be a higher paced film. Now we right that would probably be more akin to a best editing winner of the past because faster paced films have won this category i wonder if just a polished slower paced movie is going to win this category i might i'm i'm reading this that because i wrote it a while ago and now i'm disagreeing with myself well jackie brown was slower paced and it still had editing that was responsible for making some jokes I mean that that the editing Sally Mankey was you know she's the one that did that but she was wholly responsible for having some funny moments that were done in the editing so, so it's very possible Baby Driver one I I mean I'm saddened that Sally Mankey doesn't get to edit the Quentin Tarantino Hollywood picture I think that would be a joy for yeah, all of us it, it definitely would be I don't know I'm lo- I'm looking at this category in years well, past Well look if, like... if for nothing else you think Tarant you think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right now has at least a 50-50 shot of competing for best picture right so it makes sense for it to land here. Land a nomination. Right. I probably should have put it in my likely noms category, but Bohemian Rhapsody, Dunkirk, Hacksaw Ridge, Mad Max, Fury Road, Whiplash, Gravity. You got to go all the way back to Argo to get to a... a and even that is a movie that not a lot of things happen. It's a fast-paced movie. The Girl with the Dragon For the tattoo, most part, yeah. Social Network. Those are snappy movies. Those go fast. Yeah, uh, look, you make a good point, and you make a good point in beating yourself up for the point. So I, I give you... I guess that's a net zero. But I'm mad at your picks because they're better picks than mine. Yeah, well, that's because I'm smarter. But Ford, <laughs> I, Ford versus Ferrari in 1917 stick out like sore thumbs to me, despite the fact that I don't necessarily expect either to contend for a best picture. Yeah. But you talk about those later in this category anyway, so I tried to stay away from stuff that you picked on because I piggybacked you in the first couple categories we talked about already. So I picked Thelma Schoonmaker here in The Irishman because when Thelma works with Scorsese, she gets a nomination. And if she can do so again and take home a victory again like she did for Marty for Raging Bull, for The Aviator, and for The Departed, she won Best Editing, Film Editing for those films, Scorsese films. She would be the first editor to have won this category four times, breaking the current tie for when she shares with Ralph Dawson, Daniel Mandel, and Spielberg right-hand man Michael Kahn. That's all I had, because otherwise I was going to be talking about 1917, because war movies do well. That's some awesome inside baseball and research, and I'm going to talk about war movies like 1917. You can't go wrong with it. The last few years, we've had Dunkirk, we've had Hacksaw Ridge, we've had war movies get nominated in this category. I mean, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, I would not pick as a film editing winner. And war movies tend to do very well in this category, so that makes a lot of sense that you would pick. The Hurt Locker. I'm just going back. Inglorious Bastards. They typically get nominated and they they win oftentimes. So yeah, I'm going with Sam Mendes. He's a great filmmaker. He's he's had good editing in his movies. American Beauty had an editing nom uh, back in '99, 2000. There, so it could happen again. Mike, who's your likely nom? I think it's likely that one of either Endgame or the Skywalker finale get a nod. Could be. Episodes 4 and 7 are the only Star Wars films to be nominated for this category ever. Somehow. That doesn't make sense to me with all the editing that goes on in those movies. Right. A Marvel film has never made the cut for nomination in film editing. This would be a big, a big moment for Marvel. Yeah, and it'd be a big step towards Endgame's best picture run, too. It would be an indication that Marvel's starting to get best picture consideration or at least overall composition consideration because that's what the editing is being taken seriously amongst the best picture contenders i think would be a big deal and if any marvel movie is going to be the one that i mean yes we had you know black panther in here last year wasn't nominated but was nominated for best picture wasn't nominated for editing so i think to complete the puzzle here i think it would make a lot of sense but i would see one of those being nominated less likely either the star wars finale or the avengers finale i hope so i'm rooting for those movies to be i'm rooting for the rise of skywalker to be a skywalker or skywalker that's a guy that just has constantly something on his eye I walk to Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. We are recording for too long, Michael. <laughs> uh, my wild card is Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, 
because racing movies have an advantage in this category. They're usually quick cut. Again, higher paced movies have an advantage in this category. Makes a lot of sense. My opinion. And James Mangold, the Academy loves some James Mangold. They all really the way, do. All the way back to Girl Interrupted, they, they nominated his script for Logan. They want to nominate James Mangold stuff. You know, the, the Johnny Cash movie, I keep forgetting. Walk the, the Line. Walk the Line. <laughs> Thank you. You you have James Mangold titles on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> he gets nominated often. If this is a racing movie, this makes some sense. This could win the category at the end of the day. That's why I'm calling it my wild card. And something for Le Mans you would think was going to have necessary a lot of quick cuts in it, so that makes a lot of sense. I'll go. A lot not, of turns, right, at Le Mans? It's not just a left, left turn. No, it goes. This, Le Mans is the longer one. I That's think. a longer yeah, one? Pretty sure. But what, is it Formula One with one. a lot of turns? Uh, NASCAR, a lot of left-hand turns in NASCAR. Yeah, well, not NASCAR is just... <laughs> I get that. That's a circle. Is this the circle track, or is this the... Like, they're just on roads? I don't know. I think Formula it's on one. roads. I think it's just on roads, but I'm not positive. Well, then you need a lot of editing. It's, yeah. it, it matters for the editing. I, was give, I, was, I said that to you. This is That was what I led off with. I said, I yes, would be a lot of editing in this. A lot of quick cuts. I think so. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Can with I you. give my pick? No. All right. No, go ahead. <laughs> Um, Melanie Oliver, for my pick for my wild card, has been nominated for her editing work twice at the Emmys, once for the John Adams miniseries and once for the Elizabeth I miniseries. She's tasked with the Blake Lively revenge thriller that will be the rhythm section. If you're looking for a wild card, that makes sense to me, so I don't know a lot about the rhythm section as it is, other than Melanie Oliver's and Blake Lively's involvement, so that's what I would pick as a wild card here for editing. The rhythm section sounds like a nominee in the best editing category. That's all I'll say. Except it sounds like it has nothing to do with music, which is a bit misleading, if I'm being honest. Look, I uh, I don't know the difference between Formula One and NASCAR. <laughs> I don't I don't understand cars, so I'm probably not the best one to choose this category either. I'm dragging you down with me. International features where we will go next, and obviously the foreign feature film category is no more. It has been renamed International Feature, rightly so, taking the lead from the Film Indie Spirit Awards there. Michael, what are some honorable mentions? I only have three, so I'm going to talk about them a little more in depth. I have Emma, which is from the director of No, Tony Manero, and Jackie. This is Pablo Lorraine. He's making a movie about adoption, that uh, an adoption that goes at awry. Okay. So that, that's interesting. Good yeah, filmmaker. Sure. Benedetta is Paul Vernhoven's movie starring Charlotte Rampling. Here's the premise, Mike. A 17th century nun in Italy suffers from disturbing religious and, of course, erotic We visions. reviewed this already, <laughs> and we made a lot of jokes about this. She's assisted by a companion, and the relationship between the two women develops into a romantic love yeah, affair. Yeah, so Paul Verhoeven settling nicely into softcore porn there. He's, that's his career. That's <laughs> yeah, the, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Papicha is Algeria's, uh, the day that we're recording this, this, this is a new story. Okay. Algeria's pick, and uh, this is set in the 1990s. Papicha stars Lena Kudri as Najima, a fashion-obsessed young woman who, together with her girlfriend, Vasila Sherlene uh, Butella, makes money-selling garments they've made in the bathroom of local dance club to the Papichas, or pretty girls. I guess that means pretty girls. Like the rest of the country, they will soon be caught in the... Algerian Civil War. I mean, as obtuse a plot as that sounds like, I'm begging for American cinema to greenlight more films like this. Yeah. Be just it, wholly original. This is what established Hollywood in the first place in the 30s, 40s, all the way up to the 70s. Like, does something like Chinatown even get made today? Absolutely not. We said it a while back. Like, what did Daniel Day-Lewis's character in Phantom Thread do during the war? Yeah. This is like a really... I mean, we said that tongue-in-cheek, but this is like a real version of it, and we're getting a, a serious story about it. I, it's I incredible. just love how international film is, is greenlighting and going for all original properties and yeah. all original stories to tell. I think that's great. Israel's synonyms, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing that, but and Norway's out-stealing horses also had success at Cannes. Mike, I have an obvious frontrunner, yeah, though. Yeah, so look, we have the same picks because I think they're the most obvious ones. There's three international features right now that have success that so everyone far. expects to be making in around award season. We are going to be the most strong about this category, yeah, most likely. Probably. Parasite won the Palme d'Or. Now... That has to be the frontrunner. That's the frontrunner. Has to be the frontrunner. Yeah. It's atop the hill. Yeah. The International Box Office says so. Cannes Film Festival says so. Uh, Jun Ho Bong has been a great filmmaker. He's finally getting his recognition. It makes sense. 
Cosine. Everything you say. I, I don't really have any kind of disagreements. I'm just going to... The best I'll do is at the end of your presentation, I'm just going to bring up some interesting facts about the movies and put them in a more, little more context. So go ahead. What do you have as your now, likely you nom? you can debate likely nom versus wild card sure. here. Pain and Glory from Pedro Almodovar has a lot of support. You're getting Antonio Banderas hype in the best actor category. So if he's going to get a best actor nomination, this has probably got to get a best international film nom, I would think. So I don't... I just don't know much else about this category at the moment but we've had Almodovar break through in more than one category before he he won mm-hmm. best original screenplay for the phenomenal talk to her in 2013 so he's got the track record of academy respect for his filmmaking i think it's a definite possibility here but that that branch of the academy really does try to highlight new talents and talents sure. that have been kind of toiling away in, in, in the international film markets, not necessarily the big names. Yeah. We've seen the big names lose this often. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and it's it's kind of a microcosm of the Academy at large. They don't yeah. tend to go towards the biggies and the blockbusters, and the you know they try to highlight the newcomers and the art house ones, the more interesting original properties. So my wild card is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This has a 95 meta score. Huge. I saw Water Lilies years ago when I was in school. What an affecting film that was. That is a powerful movie. Celine Shiama can make a tremendous film, and she's one hell of a storyteller. So I, I, I trust the filmmaker there. That's why I'm thinking if this movie is worthy of a 95 meta score, yeah. we don't see that very often. That's from France is could be a likely nominee here. So last year we had Never Look Away, the German film, break into the cinematography category, but it didn't land at Best International Feature. That's true. Uh, nom. I bring that up only to say this point about Parasite and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Both were purchased for distribution stateside by Neon. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on how those FY, the four-year consideration, the FYC campaigns of those are handled by Neon. Because Portrait of a Lady on Fire won the screenplay award at Cannes, maybe they pushed that as only a screenplay to have Parasite contend for international feature here. Wow. And maybe they try to separate those two. Uh, that's the only really narrative I can come up with. It may also be the wise move because even to lay people right now, Parasite's got to be considered the favorite in the international film category. Not only because it won the Palm, but also because it was only the seventh winner in the last 30 years it can to be the unanimous winner of the Palm Dior. Don't forget also that a unanimous win in competition that featured Tarantino's Hollywood movie. Right? So Parasite was a unanimous winner at Cannes for the Palme d'Or going up head-to-head with Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which a lot of us are thinking may have something to say in the bigger categories and the big six categories. Anyway, it's also just worth noting my last note here. For some reason, there's not a huge track record of success that correlates between success at Cannes and an automatic nom in the international feature category. I don't know why that is. But if you go back beyond the last three or four years or so, there's not a huge correlation between winning the Palme if you're an outside of American or England film, if you're an international, actual international film, and showing up for the international feature at the Oscars. I don't yeah, understand that's why. That's a good point. That's why we're kind of flying blind right. with this. But all that being said, we know the quality of the filmmakers. Sure. So. If Bong Joon-ho doesn't get here, I, stunning, right? At this point right now, that would be stunning. We'll see. we got to see the movie. Yeah. yeah. Director as well. We'll start wrapping up our second-to-last category here, Michael. Got a huge list. Yeah, Scorsese... From the Irishman, he could be a wild card. He could be any one of these. Like he should probably be the front runner, the likely nominee, the wild card. We could talk about him in any sense. If he breathes, he's a contender. Right. Sam Mendes has been in this category before. The director of American Beauty. He's doing the war movie, 1917. We have Marielle Heller, who's been knocking yeah. on the door with uh, "Can You Ever Forgive Me." She's doing a beautiful day in the neighborhood. James Mangold is well-respected, sure. usually at the screenplay level, but he, I think he's been here before. He's got Ford versus Ferrari. That could be a you know an, an action racing movie where the director is given a lot of credit. Sure. Chinyonwe Chukwu for Clemency. This has got a release date that was pushed to a more Oscar-y time frame. Alfred Woodard, I have high <laughs> hopes there with her, said something about her in the last Oscar mid-year report episode. We love the cinematography for the Goldfinch, and John Crowley sure. is the director there. Dee Rees, been knocking on the door, been paying her dues at the Academy level. With Mudbound, she's got the last thing he wanted coming out this year. Netflix behind her there. Fernando Morelli's for The Constant Gardener, for City of God, been here, maybe not in this category before. I think he has and been in this category before. The Pope. 
He's doing a movie about... Jonathan Price going head-to-head with Anthony Hopkins there. One pope and then another <laughs> priest. I'm correcting the record. Right. Steven Soderbergh probably shot a movie with Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman with iPhone in a laundromat, Mike. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened, but uh, I think it's about the Panama Papers, but sure. I'm holding out hope <laughs> that this is an old bickering couple in a laundromat. Uh-huh. It's not going to be. <laughs> Noah Baumbach's got an untitled movie. I don't think he's been in this category before. Scott Z. Burns, in one of his first directorial efforts for the report. Yeah. Craig Brewer for Dolomite Is My Name. Where's he been, Craig Brewer? Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. I can't see it. I would love it. I would love it, too. Greta Gerwig for Little Women. That's an that's a probable likely pick right now agree. that we're, we're not going to mention until now but we should be mentioning her name in this conversation todd haynes has got an untitled project we just talked about pedro almodovar Junho bong for pain and glory for for parasite finally reed morano for the rhythm section could burst onto the scene we've seen greta gerwig do it in years past a lot of names a lot of names so look i know this is just the list that we came up with on our own accord and we're, we're saying that these are people to keep an eye out but Progress being the slow process that it is. That's the old saying. You got like 20 films here that are widely considered to be potential wave makers. Yep. Of those 20 or so, six right now are helmed by women. That's a good start. It's not nearly good enough. It's better than what it's been. It's not good enough. It is better than what it's been, but 30% of the possibilities, you know, it's better than zero, but last I checked, the population breaks down to about 50% men, 50% women. <laughs> you don't need to have, obviously, a 50-50 split, a direct split, but... We said a lot last year that last year was kind of a mulligan because with the Me Too movement, last year we'd, was see, rough. we'd see if 2019 films actually were serious about giving women the directorial chairs and giving them the, their voices to be heard. We were, and stretching, them content, content. we were stretching to indie movies, very good indie movies, yeah. released in the winter and early spring. Mm-hmm. for best director candidates yeah. like Chloe Zhao, like Deborah Granick, like You Were Never Really Here's Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, and we said a couple times last year that the Me Too movement we're going to see from film year 2019 about all this progress, if Hollywood is serious about progress being made, because a lot of those movies in 2018 were already in development, were already in production, Yes. so it was hard to change those. So we're going to see in 2019, well, we're here in 2019, and we see that like 30% of the field, maybe, is being considered for the directorial chair. For As far as gender equality goes, that's not good enough. It's no. just plain not. It's a start, but it's, if Hollywood is serious about gender equality yeah. like they all purport to be and all say they are and all say into the cam when there's a camera around that they are they needs to be more headway made and more room for women in directors positions made that's just how it has to be there's it, no excuse for it not to it is going to take a little time sure when you go when you think about a career like martin scorsese's sam mendez is even you got eight quality films because guys have had a fucking monopoly on this job yeah for a hundred years, century. Cent- yeah. a century. Martin Scorsese's career is something hard to argue with. And when you have Scorsese and Tarantino and all these huge names from all these epic careers, Almodovar and yeah. even Junho Bong is like Sam Mendes. He's had 15 years of making eight good movies, really good movies, recognized at the Academy level. You know, Greta Gerwig just got her first chance yep. and she got nominations. D. Rees has only made four or five films. So it's 30, getting there, yeah, but it's 30% not. 30% is a start. But it's not, even for a start, we want more. We would hope it would be more. So we're going to see. I'll tell you what, it's also the benchmark now because now you can't go below 30% for 2020. you you got to have more opportunities for women every year that we go by. we got to get closer to 50%, not further away. So that's going to be something we definitely keep an eye on going forward. And if it rolls to where women are 70% of the nominees, great. Great. Yeah, what would what, what would be so bad about that? Absolutely but you would nothing. get a backlash yeah. to that. Of course you would. You would? Because, well, because you, gotta, you, you, gotta, so many, you like, can't even let women be Ghostbusters in this day and age without a backlash. You know, So something to keep an eye on, something we have been cognizant of and we always do pass comments of when it comes up. But that aside, let's talk about the front runner for the best director category here, Michael. Quentin Tarantino, I think, is a, the legitimate front runner here. I think this movie coming out today has gotten the most buzz thus far. I don't think there's a film nerd alive that doesn't want to see this break down to Tarantino versus Scorsese with the caveat of maybe they want Greta Gerwig in there too. Maybe they want Jordan Peele in there too. I, I think that, you know, this is like a fantasy matchup of Tarantino versus Scorsese. It's a heavyweight bout, especially with all the retirement rumors that are circling around both guys. I think it'd be great. 
clearly, obviously, in my heart, with all the work we've done leading up to this, leading up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I want to say it's Tarantino as well. I just can't put him in a year where he's against Scorsese. I have Scorsese as number one. Because, oh, do you? Yeah, just just by means of seniority I can't and, read and history. Yeah, so I, I would love to have Tarantino as my one. I have Scorsese, but I lo- I'm rooting for Tarantino hard. All right, my likely nom is going to be Greta Gerwig. Yeah. So I talked out of my butt earlier. Apparently, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention her. I should have read forward. Uh, Greta Gerwig from Little Women. She's just an extraordinary talent. She showed off that talent in, in Lady Bird. She directs amazing compositions. She writes awesome scripts. I don't know this property. I'm not familiar with it. It could be about you know Rick Moranis showing up. And shrinking women down it's not. into tiny people. I have it on good authority. <laughs> I don't think it's about that, but it could be about that, for all I know. Unless Rick Moranis is a time traveler from the early 1900s, <laughs> and it was around doing the same thing. I, I don't know the property. We are going to frolic into that theater, yes. excited to see this, because of Greta Gerwig. Sure. Because Lady Bird was a great movie. Absolutely. So I, I have to say she's my like now. Yeah, I, nom right now. I like her. I like that call. I do think I expect her to be there as well. I'm going to say D. Reese. Going back to what Scott Feinberg said about the Academy liking someone to work their way up towards a win, D. Reese would seem to be on the precipice of breaking through by right. the win in this category. She's been critically acclaimed for a long time. She took Netflix to its first big six category nominees with her work in Mudbound. And now I can see some kind of perfect storm brewing where not only is the last thing he wanted – worthy of Academy Acclaim, but also Netflix as a way of thanking her for her work in Mudbound and kind of breaking that first-class ceiling for all her hard work there, putting a lot of resources behind her and getting her FYC campaign off the ground towards a win here. So that's why I'll say D. Reese is a likely nominee. We just talked about Willem Dafoe getting serious yeah. buzz from that movie. So I'm, I'm a little worried about the premise of that movie. It sounds out there, but if yes, it's it does. a true story, then... Yes, it is. Based on a true story. Could so be. Yeah. Could be. Could be too crazy to be true, and she could nail it. My wild card, Mike, is Casey Lemons from Harriet, and I'm also saying Scorsese from The Irishman, but I won't really talk about Scorsese. I just think there's more red flags with The Irishman sure than you seem to think right I now. I agree. Right? There's a ton of red flags. I, like, I, may, I just also know Scorsese's making a movie. I may be totally wrong. It's getting a, move, it's getting a release date during the Oscars yeah. that's going to be a central release date for a netflix film they've already had that tried and true release date this year once upon a time in hollywood's being released in july and the scorsese argument might make a lot more sense upon revisit i just can't think netflix would allow a scorsese movie their scorsese movie to be bad i think they'll pump as many you want to reshoot it marty if you want to restart from the ground up you want to go after the 2020 oscars instead we're there man let's do it all that being said casey lemons and Harriet has a ton of upside. Sure. I know she's made good movies before. This story is too powerful uh, to, to, to look away from. The stills are absolutely blowing us away. I mean, it, it's incredible. Just the photography on the set of that movie. I'm very interested to see, because Casey Levins is not a director I'm all that familiar with. Uh, the Harriet Tubman story I know about just as much as anybody that had a history class in well, America knows about, yeah. but I'm very interested and curious to see I it. liked Ease by You, and I liked Talk to Me, the Don Cheadle movie. So I like those two movies. I, I know she's got a track record. She hasn't done the Oscar film yet, though. However, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, fine pick, for according to me as well. I'm going to go a little off base here. I'll say Scott Z. Burns for the report. In a year where we're getting our fair share of political dramas, you would think one is going to rise above the rest and land a few nominees. Mm-hmm. The report has a high meta rating already. Driver is getting rave reviews as the lead in it. And there's this little tiny nugget of information about how Amazon spent a near record of $14 million at Sundance to procure its U.S. distribution. So Amazon badly needs a Big Six nomination. Yeah, you've been and they need to nail an FYC campaign for a Big Six category. Probably going to have a net betting. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're Anna very high Scott. on her. You you are very high on her, so I, that wouldn't surprise me. They need someone. And if it is from, you know, if it is the report, if, whether it is Annette Benning, whether it is Adam Driver, whether it is Scott Z. Burns, I think they desperately need someone to make headway there. I also like the interest, the intrigue of this of how the category could come down. Like, if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood flops or it is just the buddy comedy yeah. and if the Irishman flops and it, it can't catch up to its the age of technology it needs <laughs> this could be Burns versus Soderbergh for dueling political thrillers with big casts and Burns 
worked for Soderbergh a bunch of times. Is the screenwriter on both (laughs) movies. In the Soderbergh movie, he's the screenwriter. So I think that would be fascinating as well to come down to. So uh, I I think that's where I'll lay my head here. Also, um, just nominate Ryan Johnson, you cowards. Oh, we want to love that Ryan Johnson (laughs) movie, don't we? Hey, another major wild card. It's got to be Junho Bong from Parasite. Sure. You know, last year, Cuaron and Paul Akowski both got nominations in this category. The Paul Akowski nom shocked us. Cold War breaking through here shocked yeah, us at that deal. time. So whatever these international films contenders are, we have to take them much more seriously nowadays. Agree. And, and I, gladly. I, gladly is absolutely right. I can't wait for the day where uh, they catch up wholeheartedly and we're pretty much a 50-50 split across the Oscars board with, between international films and American films. But let's go to Best Picture now. Let's talk about it. Let's have some honorable mentions listed, Mike. All right, Harriet, the Harriet Tubman story. 1917, Sam Mendes' war movie. We've talked a lot about The Irishman apparently is a movie that out, that's out there. Perfect. I know it stars Ray Romano. <laughs> yeah. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is a very long title. Mm-hmm. The Report is a movie about politics. I thought we were going to say a and, shorter title. And papers inside of a binder. <laughs> it's, a, it's about papers inside of a binder. Yes. The Goldfinch is a bird, and it's also the title of a movie. Clemency, we know, was a Sundance hit. I'll get mm-hmm. serious now. The Laundry Mat, we know, is about two bickering old people inside of uh, a laundry business. So not serious. So we know that Todd Haynes has been nominated for movies like Carol, or his movies have been nominated mm-hmm. before. Uh, he, Far From Heaven. The Academy really likes him. He's got an untitled project right now. We'll see. Mm-hmm. The Pope. Talked about that. Nota Bombax got an untitled project. I wonder. All right, right now. Who's going to title their project first, Todd Haynes or Noah Baumbach? Go. Todd Haynes. I think Noah Baumbach likes having no, no title. <laughs> All right. He seems like hipster like that. I have no idea. <laughs> Dolomite is my name could go either way. It's about If it's about pimps, it's going to... It is. Yeah, could have a problem. <laughs> the last thing he wanted, Dee-Rees, does she build on Mudbound success? Little Women, Greta Gerwig, Waves, I have no idea what that is, Jojo Rabbit... Where'd you go, Bernadette? Can you believe this is in the conversation? We thought those trailers looked terrible. I, I don't buy it. I think it's a matter of we haven't seen enough previews from the actual contenders yet. Okay. The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Can we believe this would get a nomination? We'd love that. Day? We would love it. J.J. Abrams, not Ryan Johnson. Right. Ryan Johnson does have Knives Out coming to theaters around the same time, which is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Queen and Slim, we talked about it as a Bonnie and Clyde movie that really could speak to the new Academy. Mm-hmm. And finally, Avengers Endgame, yeah. which we believe should be up there in any year. Yeah, I hope so. So let's talk about Front Runners, Michael. We have the same one. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood still. I hope so. I mean, we're, we're getting boring here. But to me, in July, we're doing a mid-year Oscars report. So in July, this is the Front Runner until it gets knocked off by something else. Uh, do I think it's going to get knocked off by something else? Do you think it's going to get knocked off by something else? I do. What do you think? Yes, I absolutely do. Do you think this is a stars born city right now? I, but just I, a couple I, months earlier. I think this has way more controversy and is way more volatile than any kind of favorite just because it's Tarantino and that's just the nature of the beast. So I think it's kind of nice for us right now to have the build up to this and be able to say we're on top of the front runner here. And just as Tarantino fans, it's nice for us to say that he's at one point in the lead of this conversation because that best picture Oscar is eluding him. And it it, it may still after this year. And for a July debut, a July release to hang around until award season is asking an awful lot for best picture. If it won the Palme d'Or Cannes Film Festival, what would have what would that have done for you? Just to be another feather in the cap. But, but it wouldn't I, have I don't know that it would have done no, I don't know that it would have done much more because it's easy to see Cannes has an affinity for Tarantino and vice versa. So that wouldn't have you know, not that he goes in there and wins every time he goes in there, but he has a history of success there too. So it wouldn't have blown me away. Stakes are high Very. once upon a time in Hollywood. You know, it's been built up, and if it's if it's not even the right genre, if it's a buddy comedy... I don't understand. That makes no sense to me. Buddy comedy, but it's a 9.6 on IMDb. No, that doesn't add up. That's not what it is. That genre does not get that kind of credit. Yeah, we not love some buddy right. comedies. Like, Superbad was never going to push a 10 on IMDb. <laughs> never. All right. Our likely nominee is the same, and it's kind of a safe pick at the moment. Ford v. Ferrari. So I'm, yeah, that's what I wanted to put. You wrote down your answers first. Ford v. Ferrari is what I would have put if I could have written my down 
but I don't want to piggyback you because we both do think Tarantino is the front runner right now. I'll say Endgame. I do think it's going to end up getting a Best Picture nod. Good. I don't think it'll end up winning. I don't think it'll actually be in contention, but I do think it'll be a hallmark uh, for Marvel. And for Marvel to have Best Picture nominees in back-to-back years would be a huge deal for the MCU. I'm going to stick with my James Mangold theory that he really campaigns well. I think it makes a lot of sense. Academy likes him, that he's kind of reliable as a box office filmmaker and as a you know art house filmmaker. I think Hollywood likes that he sticks to a lot of classical structures and is successful pulling those off. So I agree. If, so if he's making a guys on the job movie about a really cool job, he'll yeah. make that movie well. And if he does break through for Best Picture Contention, be on the lookout for Christian Bale in the supporting actor category, Damon in the lead acting category, stuff like that to break through too. So my wild card is The Farewell. Yeah, you pissed me off because I wanted to put that first, but you beat me to it. Aquafina's <laughs> dramedy about her grandmother. I don't know if it's about her grandmother, but about her character's grandmother who's dying and the family won't tell her, tell the grandmother. And Aquafina, there's a lot of conflict here. It's And it's funny in the trailer. And, and and the stills are amazing. The trailer, the, the cinematography is amazing. It's quacking like an Oscar duck. We've said that stupid saying before. Yeah. And it's going to be written on our tombstones at this point because I'm hearing quacks. This is an Oscar-y looking movie. The scores are backing me up. Very high. Box office just... You, you pointed that out on the last MMOW. Yeah, the per-screen average is, is the highest for any movie in 2019 right now. It did over 88,000 per screen on its debut this week. It's a big deal. I think you're absolutely right in saying that. The scores are astronomical. Um, for the risk of being different, for the sake of being different, I'm going to highlight a wild card that I wanted to talk about in the actress categories, but I just couldn't find room for. I'll say The Kitchen. I'm very excited for it. It's got Andrea Burloff behind it. She's directing. She's also got Academy Pub already with her work from Straight Outta Compton. Uh, she landed that screen, an original screenplay role, so maybe that the Academy's familiar enough with her off of that. It also has a loaded cast. It's got people that have been around the Academy before. Uh, at least Elizabeth Moss has Emmy consideration, obviously, to her name. Melissa yep. McCarthy is the lead. She's been nominated a couple times in the lead actress category, so there's enough Academy base and Academy goods there already all combined, I think it's, you know, between either that movie or Queen and Slim is the one I'm most excited to see in the second half of 2019. This is going to be a fascinating year if we get Oscar-nominated Best Pictures from release dates in July yeah, August and June. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. Where you Historically, we're used to seeing the Oscars being fought out. When did Avengers out. Endgame come out? March? April. April, April yeah. So sure. April, July, and June and for sure. Yeah, so Crazy. we're used to seeing all these big pictures being fought out in the winter months. and may not be the case this year. We will see. Look, Star Wars movies get nominated for Oscars. Marvel's movies get nominated for Oscars. Toy Story movies get nominated for Oscars beyond the animated feature categories. And Tarantino movies get nominated all over the place. Mm-hmm. These are precedents. These are why we've done those rewatches. These are... are, are things that are close to our heart we, we love these movies and i'm curious to see as an addition to this wild card conversation if those movies are going to get nominated for the big prize this year if we're incorporating this popular film imperative again is that still relevant because last year we had black panther stars born bohemian rhapsody we had those movies there this year, we could have popular films getting nominated again. Yeah, and that'll help. The, you know, every year that we have serious popular films that are contenders and are actually high quality films, help stave off that popular film category conversation that the Academy was dying to have one more year. So hopefully, they can happen enough where they it just never comes back into realization because that I would hate that for the Oscars. But look, I got my eyes wide open right now. Could Little Women be boring? Yes, Little Women could be boring, yeah, as sure. good as Greta Gerwig is. It Car- has been in past iterations. Yeah, I mean, Harriet could be messy like Eve yep. Bayou was. I, she ha- Casey Lemons hasn't made Oscar-nominated movies before. Sam Mendes could go for broke on 1917, but it's like Jarhead. Well, I think the point you're making is why we are so high in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood across the board right now is because not only does it look great, on paper, it looks great. Yeah. And also, we have these early review scores that back up our feelings. Like, okay, this is something serious. And this does have the full duck picture right now. And not only quacks like, but it's starting yeah. to look like a duck as well. Mariel Heller made a movie that we didn't enjoy yeah. as much as we respected last year. Right. We respected her filmmaking prowess, her ability to tell Can You Ever Forgive Me. That movie pissed us off. Yeah. So all these movies that we've been talking about, they could go either way. 
in all honesty. We got to see them and review them, and that's what's so much fun about our podcast. We get the chance to do that with all the Oscar Sprint profiles. Get your butts out to the theaters tonight. Spend the money. Go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let us know what you thought of that. But uh, as well as, we want to know what your thoughts are on any of these categories. This is obviously part three of our three-part mid-year Oscars report. So we have parts two and one in the previous two weeks that were released for you as well. We go over every single category at the Academy Awards. And you don't have to listen to them in order. I mean, you can no, you listen to them whenever you want. categories at a time. But, and we also want to hear your thoughts on not only our picks, but your thoughts on what you think is likely to happen or what could happen or what may happen or what you want us to keep an eye on if we didn't mention it either. I want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about everything we do in the MMO Empire, not only just Oscar stuff. You could reach out to us and leave us all those questions and concerns at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. Tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You'll see our cartoon faces waving back at you. If you appreciate what we do here, if you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, those truly go a long way. We appreciate those michael once upon a time in hollywood debuts tonight yeah with some good words of wisdom with some uh things coming up from us watch movies because a lot of these movies sound really good really awesome and that we get to watch movies now now the projections it's it's you know it's over we can just watch really good movies and they're coming out in july and august and september a lot of these movies have september october release dates they're coming out soon so it's very exciting when do I get to campaign for Halloween as best picture? That next year? Do I get to do that next yeah, year? Next year, especially if they have two. Imagine right. two in, in October, October first and October thirty first. Can you imagine that? We were we were excited to talk about that a couple MMO weeklies ago. We had a big announcement on this past MMO weekly. We got a lot of Oscar Sprint profiles coming for you guys. We're gonna do some fun stuff. And we're going to review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood post-haste. Yeah. So that's what's coming, and wisdom is watch movies. Be on the lookout for all of that. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. There was no stuffiness in this episode. Uh, We will see. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and we will see you soon. See ya.